G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. I couldn't believe this was happening. It's not possible. It's like time just stops. Pastor Greg Laurie on hearing the news that his son was gone. I actually thought if a person could die from hearing words, I could have died from what I had just heard. I I lost my appetite. I couldn't sleep. I went into an immediate state of shock. I collapsed on the floor. I could not stand. And I just cried out to God. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg shares from his family's very personal experience. It's still very, very painful. There is still a gaping hole in our lives that was once occupied by Christopher. But I've learned a lot about grieving and loss. But I want to tell you one other thing I've learned a lot about. I've learned about hope. We all need hope in life to get through. Today, a message called Hope for Those Who've Lost Loved Ones. It's a study that's resonated with so many of our listeners. They voted it one of the past year's most requested messages. Here's Pastor Greg to begin. How many of you have lost a loved one? You're facing crisis. You're going through hardship or a time of great trial right now. Raise your hand up. Okay, that's quite a few of you. How many of you are not? Raise your hand up. Don't be embarrassed. That's good. Good for you. It's coming. (laughs) So here's the way I look at it. When we have those moments of calm in life where things are going reasonably well, we give God the glory. But sometimes the Lord will give us truth in our life that we will store up for another day. Sort of like the little squirrel saving up for the winter. So store these truths in your heart because if you live very long, it's only a matter of time until... A loved one is going to leave this world before you, before a doctor gives you bad news, before some kind of crisis happens in your home. So we want to be prepared. It's been said, if you preach to hurting people, you will never lack for an audience. Today I'm going to talk about hope for those who have lost loved ones. And I posted this on my Facebook page that I was going to be addressing this topic. And you ought to read what people said how they're facing great crisis or have lost a loved one recently and how they're seeking to cope with it. So certainly there's a lot of people that need to hear this. You know, I've become a member of a club I never wanted to join. And, but there's no denying the fact that I'm a bona fide member. And I've met many others who are in it as well. And so I hope that I can bring some words of comfort and encouragement and perspective to those that are facing this right now. You know, I guess I should give my credentials and why I feel qualified to speak about this. I suppose that I've suffered quite a bit in life. I've I've not suffered as much as some, but perhaps I have suffered more than others. I had a crazy childhood. Uh, You've all heard the story of my upbringing, my beautiful mother who uh, wanted to look like Marilyn Monroe. And I saw my mom rarely. 
and she would come and make an appearance and I would be so excited to see her. Then she would disappear again and this is sort of the cycle of my life, being with her, not being with her, dealing with all of the things she went through as an alcoholic and someone who was married and divorced seven times. Well, I was determined to not follow in the footsteps of my mother. Though she had been married seven times, I was determined to have a successful marriage. And so when I met Kathy and we got married, and then our first son came along, uh, Christopher. And then 10 years later along comes Jonathan. And you know, because I never had a father growing up, I wanted to be super dad. I'm not implying that I think I succeeded because I don't think I did at all. But I wanted to be a hands-on father. I wanted to be a loving father. I wanted to be a present father. I wanted to teach him in the way of the Lord, but I wanted to have fun with them too. And uh, you know, no question about it, I spoiled Christopher. I bought him way too many toys. And I think one of the reasons was I wanted to personally play with those toys too. So uh, like Dr. Dobson once said, every parent owes their first child an apology. There's probably some truth to that. But uh, you know, he was precocious and he was always getting into trouble. And he uh, had a time where as he got a little bit older in his 20s, he rebelled against the Lord. He was never rebellious outwardly with us, but but I know he was living a double life and we prayed. We spent many sleepless nights. And, uh, and then thankfully God got hold of him and he made a recommitment to Christ. And then he got married to a girl named Brittany. And our first granddaughter, little Stella, was born. And it was so exciting to be a grandparent. And then uh, also uh, a little Lucy was on the way. Uh, we were at home. Uh, Kathy was doing a little Bible study with Brittany. Uh, Christopher's wife and her mom. And I was watching Stella. And we hadn't heard from Christopher. He worked here at the church and was on his way to work. And uh, we tried to call him. He didn't answer. So I texted him. I remember what I said. Where are you? There was no answer. Well, the reason there was no answer is my son left this world around 9.01 and went into the presence of God in an automobile crash. Only those of you who have lost a loved one will understand what I'm about to say. But the word devastated doesn't express how bad it actually is. Now understand, I've been a pastor for quite a long time and I've actually been with parents when they've heard the news. I was with one couple in the waiting room of a hospital when their child was being operated on and the doctor came and revealed that she had not made it through. So I've been there. I've seen it up close and personal. I know what it's like And I thought I had a sense of what it would be like to hear it. But man, when it happens to you, it's like time just stops. And uh, I went into an immediate state of shock. I collapsed on the floor. I could not stand. Uh, I don't even know if I cried. I I just was stunned. I I couldn't believe this was happening. It's not possible. And immediately, it seemed like within minutes, our home was filled with well-wishers and family and friends and the phone was ringing and and everyone was trying to bring help and comfort but it was just a blur of noise to me. And and I got away and I I went over to my office which is over our garage and I just fell on the floor and and I just cried out to God uh, for help to get through not the day but the the minutes. It, It just seemed like how can you survive this? I actually thought if a person could die from hearing words I could have died from what I had just heard. I I lost my appetite. I couldn't sleep. 
and uh, it just seemed to go on forever. It's like a nightmare. And you keep hoping that you'll wake up from it. You know, when you have that bad dream and, and your heart is racing and you wake up and you say, it's okay, it's just a dream. I wanted so badly to wake up from this dream. That was not a dream at all. It was reality. Well, thanks for joining us today on A New Beginning. Pastor Greg is presenting a powerful message today called Hope for Those Who've Lost Loved Ones. He's sharing from his heart about the loss of his very own son. Let's continue. I'm still mourning. It still hurts. Uh, is it the same as it was back then? No, it isn't. It's, it's different. Is it better? In a way it is. Uh, but it's still very, very painful. There is still a gaping hole in our lives that was once occupied by Christopher. But I've learned a lot about grieving and loss and daily pain. I've learned how to live with pain, how to cope with it. As I mentioned a few moments ago, I've become a part of a club I never wanted to join. So hardly a day goes by when I don't encounter someone or hear from someone who has also lost a loved one and they're asking for some kind of help. So I've learned a lot about these things. I've learned more about mourning. But I want to tell you one other thing I've learned a lot about. I've learned about hope. And I have hope. And my hope today is stronger than it has ever been at any other time in my life. And hope is like an anchor that keeps us in place during the tumultuous storms of life. In fact, Hebrews 6.19 says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And so that's what we want to share with you today. Listen to Psalm 119 verse 114. You are my refuge and my shield. Your word is my only source of hope. Romans 15.4 says, such things were written in the scripture long ago to teach us and they give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises. It's been said that men can live 40 days without food, three days without water, eight minutes without air, and about one second without hope. We all need hope in life to get through. Now listen, that doesn't mean that you're not gonna feel pain. To have hope does not mean that you have a permanent smile plastered on your face. Nor does it mean you've had some kind of a spiritual lobotomy where you don't feel what other people feel. You can have hope and pain coexisting together. But what does it mean to have hope? Is it just hope and hope? Oh, I, I just know things will get better. Well, wait, you don't know it because things could actually get worse, right? So what is my hope in? My hope is in God. I have to look to Him. And here's what God says to us in one of my favorite verses, Jeremiah 29, 11. The Lord says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a what? A hope. That's what God is saying to us. Now contextually that statement was given to the Israelites when they were in Babylonian captivity. Because of their penchant for idolatry, the Lord banished them to the land of idolatry, Babylon, for 70 long years. They, they were no longer worshiping. They said they hung their harps on the willow tree, which means that they sort of uh, 
put the guitar away in the closet and unplug the amps and there were no praise services happening because they felt like God had forgotten about them and God had abandoned them. So with that backdrop the Lord says, Hey everyone listen. I know the thoughts that I think towards you says the Lord. They are thoughts of peace not of evil to give you a future and a hope. God was saying, Israel, listen to me. Your days are not over. I have a future for you. And God is saying the same to us. I love how the Lord says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. It would have been enough if God would have said, I know the single thought I once had towards you for a fleeting moment. Wouldn't you be happy to know that God Almighty, the Creator of the universe, had a single thought about you? I would. But that's not what the Lord says. He says, I know the thoughts plural, more than one, that I think, not just past tense, but present tense, toward you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future. So the thoughts of God are from what He has thought, what He is thinking, and what He still will think. They're good thoughts, the Bible says in Psalm 45. Many are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts toward us cannot be counted. They're more than can be numbered. Now listen to this. <laughs> It all depends how someone's thinking about you. I mean, someone might be thinking about you right now and they are thinking evil thoughts. They're plotting and how they're going to destroy you. They're like, don't think about me. Get me off your radar screen. But that's not the way God is thinking. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. So His thoughts are good. And what does he mean when he says a future? It could better be translated an expected end. Or another translation would say a ground of hope or things hoped for. In other words, there will be an outcome. There will be completion in your life. God will tie up the loose ends because as a Christian I am a work in progress. I am an artist. I didn't say I was a good artist. But I like to draw. And uh, people will sometimes ask me to draw something. And they'll say, Greg, draw, draw me. And, or draw this or draw that. And I like to draw for little kids especially, you know, because they're always so appreciative. And, and so I will sit down and, and I'll, I'll have a pen and I'm looking at the paper. And maybe I'll just sort of do a line and I'll start to smile. And someone will say, what are you smiling on? There's nothing on the paper. I say, I'm just laughing about what I'm going to do because it's going to be a caricature of you and you're going to look so bad. No. See, but that's me, right? So here's God and He's, he's working on a canvas and, and He does a line. We say, wow, Lord, what's that going to be? Finish it. Come on, complete it. But in God's mind, the art is done. The painting is completed. It's already finished. And in the same way God looks at you and though it's still a work in progress for you, God knows exactly what He is doing. There is an expected end and it is good. And you might say, no, wait, Greg. What about when everything in life doesn't make sense? What about when we get sick and we pray to be healed and we're not? And what about when someone dies? Where's the good now, Greg? Where's the expected end now? Really? It's called heaven, folks. It's not going to all be rosy on earth. You're going to have good moments here. You're going to have times when things come together and make sense. And then there's going to be times when they don't make any sense at all. But ultimately the future for every believer is being in the presence of God in heaven. That is the thing we hope for and God is the one we place our trust in. Psalm 38, 15 says, You, O Lord, 
I hope in you. You will hear, O Lord my God. Psalm 130 verse 5, I'm counting on you, Lord. Yes, I'm counting on you. I've put my hope in your word. Now, this all sounds quite sunny and happy, but I want you to know that you can actually be hopeful and mourning simultaneously. You know, when a loved one leaves this world, especially when it's unexpected, it tears us up inside. Even when it's expected, it's very hard to deal with. There's a deep sense of loss because there was a deep love. You know, sometimes people will say, well, you shouldn't be crying. You shouldn't be mourning. They're in heaven if they're a believer. But even the great Apostle Paul talked about the deep sorrow he was feeling if a friend of his would die. In Philippians 2.25 he says, I thought I would send Epaphroditus back to you. He's a true brother, a faithful worker, a courageous soldier. He was your messenger to help me in my need. Now I am sending him home again for he has been longing to see you. And he was very distressed that you found out he was ill. And he surely was ill. In fact he almost died. But God he had mercy on him. Listen to this. Paul says, but also on me so I would not have such unbearable sorrow. This is Paul who has been to heaven and has come back again. This is Paul who had more faith than anyone you can imagine. And yet Paul himself is saying, if Epaphroditus had died, I don't know if I could have borne it. You see? And that's how it can be. You wonder, can I bear this? Can I get through this? When you lose someone, you think, can I survive this? And people will say, you know what, don't cry. Get over it. But I want to say something to you that Know someone that's mourning. The Bible says there's a time to weep. And there's a time to mourn. And don't ever tell a person who's lost someone to get over it or to stop crying. Who are you to say such a thing? I think of some things that I have flippantly said even to people who are going through a time of mourning and my impatience to see them get better. I had their best interests in mind, but I didn't really know what I was talking about. You need to give them space. You need to give them time. And understand something. This mourning is part of the healing process. If you don't go through it properly, it can sort of mess you up a little bit. I know people that have lost loved ones that have never dealt with it properly. They have never mourned as they should. They are either in a state of denial where they will not acknowledge it happened or they can't let go of the person and it changes who they are. You need to let it out. And though you want to fight tears, I'm telling you, tears have their place. And when you cry, and I mean really cry, not when your eyes missed up. I mean when you cry so badly it's like you feel pain in your chest and you drop to the ground, that kind of mourning can actually have a healing effect on the person. Okay, so be patient with people who are mourning. Pastor Greg Laurie with some great counsel from Scripture and from his own personal experience in a message called hope for those who've lost loved ones. One of the most requested studies of the past year. Tomorrow, Pastor Greg brings more insights on how to properly support those who are facing the loss of a loved one. I hope you can join us. Same time, tomorrow.
Now, for a copy of Pastor Greg's full message from today, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called Hope for Those Who've Lost Loved Ones. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.